In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? Get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Millie Tamaras. I'm Amanda <laughs> Duberman, and welcome to oh, the no. Betches Sub Podcast, <laughs> where the C-SPAN meets the group chat for everything in between. <laughs> oh my God, what a start. We have to keep that. I was distracted, obviously, because you have a visitor. I have a cat. Mason is with us today. Mason. Yeah, Mason's here, and he's ready. I mean, it is a no bones day. Do you know, does that mean anything to you, Millie? Can I tell you something, Amanda? I worked with Jonathan Graziano at Vader Media many, many moons ago, <sighs> and we've been following each other ever since on all the platforms. And then, yeah, he follows me on Twitter, whatever. And I, I was on TikTok the other day and I saw a No Bones Day thing and I'm like, what the hell is happening? And then somebody had tagged him because he was on Good Morning America. And I'm like, I had no idea about any of this. I know. It's amazing. He's been doing this for a while and he's had a pretty good following, but I'm not sure what it was about this week. It just, it just popped off and now he's got like 3 million followers. It's crazy, but you know, I always I remember he left Vayner to go work. I think he w- went to go write copy for Chewy or for for something mm. like he's always been into pets, so this makes sense. Oh, that's so nice. He like posted yesterday that like he's selling merch, but you know, whenever whenever there's like a viral trend, of course, Etsy sellers pop up and you know, that's great small business, but he was like, "That's fine, but please donate a little bit to animal shelters." So I'm glad that he's like if it sounds like he deserves he and Noodle deserve the success. Yeah, and like God, I could not happen to a better person. I mean, he's so nice, but it's also like, you know, the the agency we worked at was social media agency. Yeah. So he's he's on it. He knows. He know like Yeah, that's strategy true. wise, like I he's Yeah, it. he's taken he's he's taken the Gary V playbook, which I personally hate, but Um Yeah. <laughs> and if you have no idea what we're talking about, oh my god, if you have no idea what Don't we're talking about, you have I shouldn't even have mentioned the name so I could <laughs> I actively talk shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to know that if we ever want Bones's or Noodles' dad on the on the sub, we have a connection. We do. We hopefully do. he doesn't Noodles. get canceled. But uh, he seems like what if Noodle got canceled? Noodle, Noodle is Noodle like a has transphobic comedy material. <laughs> <laughs> totally. If you don't know what we're talking about, you probably do. But there's just a pug on TikTok where every day he will either stand up in the morning or just collapse back down, and that is like basically a new form of TikTok astrology. I am actually trying to make Morty go viral through the through Bones talk. So I tried yesterday when it was a Bones day and it didn't do it didn't do as well, but I'm going to try to do a, comp- a, bo- a no Bones day compilation of Morty just sleeping and I think it'll pop off. I feel like I feel like you could just take the footage of Morty while you're doing a, a, a podcast of Morty laying out of your bed and yawning and you're like yes, that's we what need I did. to fight for abortion rights and Morty just like oh, and laying out in the sun. <laughs> 
I agree. I mean, he's got his balls chopped off, so he knows he's like, he's not getting anyone pregnant. Oh, Morty. (gasps) It is a bones day. And also, I don't know why. I was just feeling sentimental today, and I wanted to thank our listeners. It is, you know, nearly the end of the year, even though, I mean, I feel like after once we get to November, things just catapult. And it's been such a, like, unusual year in the news and politics space. And we've had to adapt to this, like, post-Trump world and what people are interested in and what your appetites are and what we don't want to hear about anymore. And we totally get that there are some things we just don't need to hear about every day. And I'm so appreciative of like all the feedback we've gotten that has let us broaden out our subject matter and so appreciative of everyone who has stuck with us every day. It is the daily listeners that keep us going and we've been able to keep our amazing sponsors and add some more. And you'd have no idea how much it helps us just to click play on this podcast every day. So, uh, Thank you very much. And of course, it's been our best year yet because we had Miss Millie Tamaris. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. I mean, so I mean, it's true with the listeners, like everyone is so nice. I've done other things where people aren't nice or like, but everyone is just so and I feel like the times that I've been the most vulnerable have gotten so much response. And like, I I really appreciate the listeners, like just a group, a good group of people. And I wish everyone so much success and, you know, <laughs> and like all the listeners. Come see us all on November 4th at Union Hall. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, for November 4th at Union Hall, please go see us. <laughs> but also, yeah, I think, you know, me and Elise are going to be starting our own show together. So that'll be fun. And yeah. So exciting. Awesome. I'm going to see if uh, Bri- Brian's like a, Brian is actually a social media star. So he should come too. And people, he has actual fans. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> that like stop him on the street. <laughs> oh, my God. <gasps> uh, also, I mean, we're just going to keep talking about Millie because it's Latina Equal Pay Day. <laughs> yes, Latina Equal Pay Day. <laughs> we've been we've been hitting you guys with so much Hispanic Heritage Month, and it's not going to stop here because this week uh, today is Latina Equal Pay Day. Well, I, I kind of want to say that to me, it kind of feels like online, like because it's like uh, Hispanic Heritage Month is like half of two months. Like right. it just doesn't feel like a whole month or it doesn't feel like a lot of people care. And then like halfway through it became by visibility day, <laughs> which my friend jokes like by visibility day is every week. And like <laughs> my friend who is by, um, then it became like, I'm just seeing all these like days and months. Like, wow. Then it's like, yeah. So it's just like October's a lot. October is October stacked. Like, Damn, we can't get a month. <laughs> I know. And then you think about like Black History Month is February, which sometimes is 28 days. Oh, I would say most of the time. <laughs> well, that's true. Most every, fair enough. Four out of five times, it's 48 days. <laughs> But yeah, uh, but you know what, Millie, you, you you are finally last intersection of your identity. We do get a full month, a full pure month for Women's History Month. Yes, yes, Women's History. Yes, well, Women's History. But <laughs> women's History is thirty-one days. Um, but you know, according to Margaret Atwood, why can't we say what? <laughs> I forgot about that. I guess we can get. I should have added that to our Dave Chappelle segment. Good well, God. we I will. Mean, we will. We'll get to say, it. But Amanda, do you want to share why today is Equal Pay Day, even though originally Equal Pay Day, like? Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of, right. There's a number of equal pay days. Today is specifically Latina Equal Pay Day, which marks the date into the new year that it would take for a Latina woman to earn as much as a non-Hispanic white man did last year. 
That means Latina women have to work 22 months to earn as much as a non-Hispanic white man did in one year. Like Millie said, there are multiple equal pay days throughout the year. They're sort of like, an, and they mark, you know, on average how far women have to work. I think the like, the average one for all women, um, which is heavily weighted towards white women, is in April for Asian and Pacific Islander women. It's in March for Black women. I believe it's September 8th. Um, I think there's another one for, for queer women that mark how far you have to work. And this is the last one. This is the last one. Um, actually, I was I was mistaken. I think for Indigenous women, it's in September. And for Black women, it's in August. And so this is this is delayed by, by quite a while because Latina women earn about 53 to 57 cents to the white man's dollar. That's half. They are the most poorly paid of all women, as I said, and the pay disparity is exacerbated by a number of, of things. I mean, Latina women, it's such a large group of people, but things that apply are racial discrimination, sexism, xenophobia, and poor labor rights and protections in a lot of the fields dominated by Latina women, such as like domestic jobs and care work. These fields were also disproportionately impacted at the start of the pandemic. Early in the pandemic, Latinas experienced the highest unemployment rate of all demographic groups. When you think about, you know, some of these things we're hearing about so many women having to stay home, that includes so many Latina women, but it also leaves a lot of, like a lot of childcare centers are run by Latina women and those have suffered in the post-pandemic era as well. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about your background with this, Millie, because your mom, your mom owned a small business, right? So do you feel like she was impacted by this pay discrimination? Do you think that owning her own business kind of helped her avoid some of it? How did it factor in as you were kind of like watching your mom's work life? I think it's it's interesting. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Like a lot of my mom's clientele were women, majority black women, black and Hispanic women. So, and it, you know, it's a lot of nurses, a lot of like teachers. That's how I grew up. You know what I mean? So like- yeah. It's not, although there's like probably pay disparity, you know, you know, my mom's like able to earn whatever, like not have pay disparity. It is challenging because there's only so much that you can charge, you know, middle class or lower, lower middle class women, you know, and there's only so much that, yeah, exactly. And you want to give quality service, but you have to pay rent, but you have to like keep prices affordable for your clientele. And like a good client, you know, because it's like a, you know, we would do Dominican style, which is blow dry and whatever. Um, They would come weekly or bi-weekly. So it has yeah. to be something where it has to be a price point where like a teacher can afford to come every week or every two months or something like that. So, um, yeah, I certainly think about that a lot. And, you know, ev- you know, even though my mom has like some kind of power and whatever, like she still has to charge like when I tell her what yeah. I pay for a haircut here versus like what she, char- you know, it's just not mm-hmm. comparable. Totally. I mean, I'm sure that's the case with so many childcare providers as well. It's like, I mean, that's why so many have closed. It's like, you need the clients, but people, I mean, childcare is so exp- obviously it has to be expensive. You're, you're, I mean, it should be expensive to leave a child in somebody else's expert care for a long period of time, but we have no like guarantees. So so many childcare places have closed just because they're like, I can't, I can't, raise my I can only raise my rate so much until people can't come anymore I mean that's like a huge yeah that's like a huge problem with like small businesses I would say though like somebody on Twitter brought up the point of like child care is so expensive but the workers are paid so little they're still paid so where is the money going and it's because a lot of like a lot of child care places I mean especially the ones probably still open 
are owned by like big powerful CEOs that hoard the money. I mean, b- best example is Betsy DeVos owning Kindercare. But mm-hmm. um, wow. so there's that. And yeah, I just think about, I mean, I think that the payday thing is such an effective way of showing like this issue because it is just like equal paydays one day, black women payday, Asian pay, like it is just the best way to exemplify like people can't fathom like what is two times every dollar, whatever. Mean. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, and it, it's so funny because um, one of my aunts, I think I was, I remember a few years ago sharing like, yeah, you know, today's equal pay day for black women or whatever. And then she's like, well, I'm Afro-Latina, so can I combine both black women and Latina pay day? <laughs> and I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> like, that's I know. I that was works. thinking, I was like, should I put Millie and Elise's like cash apps on the on the Instagram today? I mean, if you want. My cash app, my phone is always available. But it's not even that. Yeah, it's more just like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, it, it is true of the, the labor that's undervalued. And I mean, I think. You know, it's so funny because on one end, like women and like the work that Latina women and even like Latinos in general gets undervalued and that's crazy. But I definitely you could see like how much people were suffering without daycare, a nanny, a landscaper, house cleaner, like during the pandemic. They were a woman had to close her fucking business. Did you remember that one article about the man yeah. who like had to be a house husband for half a week and made his wife close down her <laughs> business because he couldn't do it? Yeah. So like that is also just an important thing. I don't know. To, to yeah, do. absolutely. And it's like, I mean, imagine being in these fields and you're helping families and you're helping children. It's it's like. When you own a business and you're providing certain goods and services and you're like, I don't know, like whoever, people that are like, you're more willing to reduce your rates. And then because these are people, you know, they're people in your community, they have no other option. And like over time that, that ends up being that you can't, you can't sustain yourself. Yeah. I agree. It's really effective, especially the idea of like 22 months, like, like I could, like men could have stopped work, wouldn't have to work for 11 months almost. Yeah, to earn as much as a Latina woman. It's almost half as much. Something so striking to me whenever this comes up is like, I think they said on average, a Latina woman earns about 36, I don't want to say earn because she's obviously earning more. A Latina woman brings in about $36,000 a year and your average non-Hispanic white man brings in $67,000. That's also not great. Americans are poor. Americans are poor. (laughs) Americans are poor. And I mean, I think like, again, there is this idea that if you're poor, it's because you're bad or lazy. And, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna die. <laughs> like like making sure that people know that it is not an indictment. Your yeah. your wealth level has not an indictment of like how good of a person you are or how much you how hard you work because every day we're finding out more and more that that's just not true. And mm-hmm. yeah, back to you know it's the whole point of like the great resignation and strike tober and all of that is like people are working really hard and they're not seeing it. And then the people just so some, somebody can have a fucking yacht in Lake Michigan. (laughs) Jesus. Exactly. Have you ever found out in a job experience, like explicitly found out that a white man was earning more than you for the same work? Yes. Like, so, um, I was working somewhere. I had worked, 
like basically I was new in my career and I worked like somewhere I had like a year and a half job experience or like two years, you know, working for a professional. And then I got, you know, I got offered this job. I wanted 40,000. They offered me 36, which, you know, I, I was like 24, 25 at the time. And like, where were you living in New York? Oh my God. Yeah, I know. And like, they're like, well, you're new, this and that. They said all this, all these excuses to talk me down. And I, you know, I didn't have enough like work experience to be like, no, fuck you. It was so funny because I had just, um, I was interviewing to be a receptionist at Vice, like before that. And they wanted me to quit the job I was working at without giving notice, like, like to start the next day. And I'm like, I don't know. And they were gonna, they were offering me thirty thousand. So I was like, for to be a receptionist, and I was like, no, I can't. And then they uh, they gave the job to someone else. So, mm-hmm. so then, um, anyway, I got thirty six. And then after they uh, like, you know, admittedly to their whatever, they saw like how efficient I was, like how smart <laughs> I was. They had all these assumptions about who I was and like the kind of work I was gonna do. And when I started and they, I exceeded those expectations, they bumped my pay up three thousand dollars a year, which is how much a fucking month, like like another hundred dollars yeah. or whatever. But and they whatever and they made a big stink about it. But then um one of my coworkers who was this like gay white man, you know, but he was like two years younger than me and just got on the job market. Like, I don't think he ever had professional experience. Maybe he had an unpaid internship, but but because, you know, he did the unpaid mm-hmm. internship because his parents had money. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, He showed me, like, one of his letters or something, like, and it showed that he was making 41, like, wow. off, off bat. And, like, that just That's was, That's so like, crazy uh, that you also have the context of, like, within a short period of time, they were like, oh, actually, you're better than the way we stereotyped you. Exactly. So, sure. That must have really stung. I think at the time I was just, I was so excited. Like I was like, yeah, yeah like I know, you know, yeah. at the time I was an idiot. But I remember when over forty was like, oh my god, I'm making it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. And then also like, at the time when I like I was subjected to a lot of like harassment and toxicity at that job or whatever, and it was just exemplified. Like, it's a long story, but it was exemplified of, like, I quit. They wrote me up one time for something. Like, my boss yelled at me, and, like, I ran out of a business lunch. And they, like, wrote me up for embarrassing him. But at that moment, I got a job offer that was $11,000 more. I got a job offer that was $50,000 a year. Yeah. You know? And um, Is that when you left the meeting? Well, I was just like, I'm not signing this thing that's... And also, I quit. Like, I'm giving two weeks' notice. I can't work here anymore. It's not working out. Like, which was like a badass move. But they gave me a bonus. Like, they gave me $3,000 when I quit. Basically being like, don't sue us. Like, we know we treated you poorly. Oh, that's crazy. But yeah, exactly. Like, that was, Mm -hmm. but you know, that's something where like now if that happened, well, I don't know, actually. Yeah. (laughs) No, totally. I mean, I feel like in the past couple years or so, there's been a lot more pay transparency, but when I've noticed it, it tends to still be among women. Mm-hmm. I mean, where I when I worked at HuffPost, we did, and this was, everybody knew that we were doing this, but there came a time where we, we just, all of the women in the office, it, it maybe wasn't all of them, but it was most of us were like, we need to just, this is the only way. 
And we all just put in a spreadsheet what we all made by name. And uh, it was very obvious that there were discrepancies that were not based on anything, that were not based on experience, just based on clearly when people got hired, they thought they would accept a lower rate. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. All right, now we have to touch again on Dave Chappelle's transphobia because it's, he's still doing it. He has not apologized, and uh, there have been some developments. So as we talked about last week, Chappelle was calling cancel culture while the Netflix CEO was publicly defending the decision to keep the special up. He said something insane. This man, Netflix co-CEO Ted Sarandos, said that they were going to keep the special up because, quote, while some employees disagree, we have a strong belief that content on screen doesn't directly translate to real world harm, (laughs) which is just the most insane he said that. Like, did, did a communications professional read that? No. Or do you think he just sent that? He just sent it. He um, sent it. I mean, this is the, you know, like 13 Reasons Why is, a you know, was the, the key example of like, first of all, like that show fucking was, is terrible. And the, I, you know, just I watched some of it and it was literally like a fantasy. It was really romanticizing suicide. And like, you know, just like, yeah, everyone's going to feel bad when I'm dead. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, 
just terrible. And it did increase teen suicide rates. And I feel like, um, yeah, I mean, just in terms of like in the comedy scene, you know, I've had some talks with friends and they're like, I feel like a certain kind of comedian is emboldened to do more transphobic material, you know, uh, because they people replicate. That's just something that you see, like people replicate who and their mm, comedy shit, is like yeah. who they want to be, whose career they want. So, you know, if anybody's popular at a given moment, you go to open mics, you go to shows like there's going to be 20 little versions of that person. And right now, like a bunch of people are, you know, trying to think that transphobic material is okay. And it's just sad because, you know, content does have a big impact on, you know, and it is just the way that it humanizes people. And like, I just think about something like Pose, like, right. Like I was getting my hair done, but, you know, I, I would get my hair done by this woman who like lived in a project in Flushing and like probably has no exposure to that community. And she's very religious and all that stuff. And she's like, wow, I didn't know, you know, she was saying things that are like on surface, like a little ignorant, but mm-hmm. she's like, I didn't know that they like did that or they try, you know, they, they like are so feminine, you know, all these things, but it was like, because oh, yeah. she got to see this show, she was exposed to this, to this reality and was able to like humanize and have compassion for them. So it's like, you know, and like, right, that's, that's the like, power then, of media. Right. I Exactly. Like, then I want Ted's... He did take this back. But then it's like, okay, then say that that media can't be used for good. You can't say that. If yeah. you're gonna... I mean, I'm sure your, like, main line is that Netflix improves people's lives and helps us... And, like, entertainment helps us all connect to each other. But can it can also help us, like, pull each other apart. Well, I mean, right? It's like the... It's like that same argument of, like comedians are modern day philosophers or it's just joke it's just jokes and everyone should calm down and it's like well which one is it are we modern philosophers and what are we doing is like pontificating and like whatever and like pushing things to the edge or is it just jokes and should we all lighten up and like it's not that serious and i I mean i think the funniest tweet i've ever I, i read was like it's not comedian's job to push the edge. It's comedian's job to give to sell drinks to drunk people. Oh, I love that. On a, week, yeah. on a weekday night when the bar is slow. And it's like yeah. kind of like both, you know, I kind of see both. But yeah, exactly. It's just like you can't have it either way. And then it's just like, okay, like, you know, is it that, you know, cancel culture is bad or something like that? Whatever the fucking point is. Or is that like... People are allowed and entitled to be like, this sucks. And, right. and a lot of people, and I think the confusion is that like, people are like, ah, I can't believe Netflix, like Snowflake employees are walking out of work because of a comedy special. And it's just like, no, they're not. Their boss said things yeah. that were offensive and they're responding to that. And they have, the, and in their list of demands, it's not, take the Chappelle thing down. It's put a warning just like you did with 13 reasons why saying that a lot of this shit is harmful and also like make a commitment to elevate more trans people in your content. Right. Exactly. Because that's, and I think that's such an important part of the demand is because like, if you just have a trans person or I mean, even just somebody sensitive to these issues, but why not just a trans person on your board? You're not even like getting to this, to this point. You're not Mm -hmm. even having to like deal with these and, 
I think you were mentioning somebody who was like saying sort of vaguely ignorant things. And I think a lot of us have maybe family members that are like mm -hmm. new to this. And I think there are a lot of people, millions or tens of millions of people who are not super comfortable. They don't, they don't try hard enough with pronouns. They still feel a little defiant about it. Like, why is everybody switching gender? And, and these aren't people that are outwardly hateful, but they yeah. just sort of don't really bother with it in their own homes or their own lives or privately. And Dave Chappelle is like, is validating them. Of course. And he's giving, it's not just the transphobes. It's like everybody's grandpa who's like, is it a she? Is it a shim? Is it a nit? Like saying really yeah. bad things that they think are funny that maybe you let them get away with because they're going to die soon. <laughs> but yeah. like, it, it's reinforced. There's so, people are, you know, there's straight up transphobes. I mean, the average age of a black trans woman is what, like 36 or something? Terrible. And then you say that that's okay. I mean, I loved that Ashley Marie Preston, who's like a huge trans advocate and she was in uh, Disclosure, mm -hmm. which was explicitly about like Hollywood and, and trans identity. And she went to this and spoke out because she was like, I know these employees can't. Like, I know they have a lot to lose. And only, only I read in the New York Times that only dozens of employees walked out. To be fair, they are still mostly remote. And apparently there was like a virtual walkout where they like closed their computers. But there was also like, supporters and activists but then i also saw like it was phrased as dave Chappelle's supporters which just reminded me as if they were like trump supporters i was like i hate this clash that there's like it's now a new like cultural identity to be a dave Chappelle supporter and it's so i mean i think that you acknowledge like the 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 death the rates of um yeah black trans women but i think that that's a huge criticism that Dave Chappelle is getting from a lot of queer black people is that like, you know, he's the way that he makes it sound is like, you know, either you're gay or you're black and gay people getting rights is faster than black rights. And, and then it's just completely, you know, like said earlier, like losing the intersection of like, there are many people in the intersection of being queer and black. And they're the ones that getting are getting the things the worst. And I think that like, intersectionality is an important part of any kind of activism and like you can't say things about black whatever and then not acknowledge that black gay people have what and and just as a you know as a comedy fan like you know as somebody who grew up watching Dave Chappelle it's really disappointing and saddening to see that like and I mean that is also something Saeed uh, Jones had a really great article about, you know, you know, in GQ reviewing the comedy special about like how it feels like you've been stabbed in the back, but then, you know, so the person who stabbed you is like, stop bleeding. Why are you bleeding? And it's the same thing of like, you know, as a black gay man, he grew up and I, I feel the same way of like growing up really ad admiring all the things that Dave Chappelle has done to mm -hmm. advance the race conversation and like satirize how ridiculous it is. But also like seeing how where he's at now is just like a, a kind of betrayal and it's hurtful. And yeah, there's like there's that. And then also, um, you know, I mean, I don't want to say too much about Netflix because, you know, I like freelance with Netflix yeah. uh, sometimes. But I mean, just Isn't, reality, that's also part of the problem. I mean, is yeah, that Netflix buys ads with everybody. And well, the thing is, too, is that like, um a lot of their queer, you know, a lot of queer employees, like just like I worked in the Latinx vertical, like the Latinx vertical 
um, freelanced for it. Like a lot, everyone, San Diego, New York, Philly, but you know, so I, I imagine that that's what's with the, with the queer vertical, which their queer vertical is really cool. Like they yeah. do amazing content. And as and the they've Latin- been speaking out, they've been trying to like use, I mean, honestly, this, this sounds dumb, but like, I mean, they did yesterday tweet from the hammer, like BRB walking out. That's yeah. pretty bold. I yeah. got to say, that's pretty bold. So they they definitely feel safe. And I do think they are safe. I think the CEO knows he really fucked up and that the employees have, I mean, they've always had the moral high ground. But um, I'm glad to see that these people, like, they definitely have the leverage right now to mm-hmm. make these demands. Um, but yeah, it is so, like, I mean, like, I was looking on Twitter looking at mentions of Dave Chappelle. And it's like, when you're getting rave reviews from the National Review, like, is that what you want? Like, yeah, these guys don't. I he mean, doesn't care. The same but- thing. It's the same thing with, like, Kyrie Irving and all these, like, idiots. Like, it's just, like, it's becoming reactionary, you know? And and it's, and that is another thing Roxanne Gay said in her review of of the thing. It's just, like, Dave Chappelle walked away from doing the Chappelle show because... He saw like a bunch of white people. I mean, that is like the the anecdote of the time was like he saw a bunch, you know, he's doing satire about his community and he saw a bunch of white people joking and and like promoting these harmful stereotypes. And it made him very uncomfortable because he's like, this is not who I are. These jokes are intended for and they're doing it in bad faith and it makes me uncomfortable as an artist and I have to stop. So it's really interesting to see. 15 years later or something or 10 years later that like those same people that he that made him so uncomfortable he turned down money are now revering him and think he's like a genius and all this stuff and a lot of people in in his community are like this is disappointing and he's just doubling down on it you know and Mm -hmm. it's just like there just is a point where you know people just become so rich they're completely out of touch yeah, but Netflix did have the power here to say, like, no, that content's not. I mean, I wonder what the behind, because I heard, I think Elise mentioned this, that like 38 of the 72 minutes are dedicated to transphobia. That's what I didn't realize until this week, that this special seems like it was designed to, in his view, to address accusations of transphobia in which all he did was double down. It's not just like he just sort of gestured at it and made a joke and, won't, and they won't take it out. It's like the special exists in a sense to for him to to defend this yeah have you watched it i haven't watched it no i haven't watched it i'm okay at least i think she said she did and she's confirmed all the well i read enough reviews and like i mean i think a lot of people are like oh um like oh you have to watch it to get an opinion and i feel like i don't like i don't think that i feel like i don't think that's accurate and then also like listen to the people affected if trans people say it's transphobic it's transphobic But did you see Michelle Wolf's response to it? She had an amazing statement and and she wrote a lot of things, but one of them was that like, I think he invoked her name in saying like, we have a lot of diversity here. And she was like, don't you dare. Do not, don't do that. And basically like insulted him a lot and then said a lot of hardcore things and then not even insults. They were, they were just strong, strongly worded things. And then she ended it saying, uh, but you can't say I crossed the line because it doesn't exist. Right. And then Michelle Wolf replied like, you're right. Exactly. There is no line. It's like, oh no. Well, no. Uh, not surprising at all. But I think, yeah, I think what I liked about Hannah Gatsby's response was that she's like, you don't pay me enough to be this token. And like, mm-hmm. I already am getting harassed 
by every time that every time you pay Dave Chappelle 20 million dollars to outwardly process all of his emotionally stunted views. I really yeah, like that it thing. It's so funny. I think it was funny, but it's also just like, yeah, like that's exactly, that's exactly what it is. It is like you're like you said it the special seems to exist as a but it is like processing outwardly these things these cuz cuz his life experience now is you know it's not like oh i went to Normal, the store yeah. i can't catch a cab because i'm black like stuff that like that's not his reality mm-hmm. you know not to say that he's not facing racial discrimination but it's also like his his reality is just you know oh the tr- the twitter trolls or like oh viacom put dave Chappelle sh- on on hbo max and didn't pay me so like let's all mm-hmm. protest that you know those are his realities yeah. and his battles and like yeah it's just like interesting because it's like going back and forth on is twitter twitter's a thing everyone's talking shit versus like i can't believe Help twitter me. people don't like me and like doubling down and it's just like it's this whole idea of like that i feel that i keep going back to it's just like Men want to do whatever they want and not have any consequences. And it's just right. like, yeah, if you say things that are offend some people, just it's okay yeah. if people don't fuck with you. Like that's not exactly it's not like right. It's not your right to like have fans that you know what I mean. Like right, like as you like she pointed out, some people are talented enough where they deserve twenty million dollars to just talk freely for an hour. Mm-hmm. I count Hanny Gadsby among them, of course Millie Tamaras, all of our at least all of them. But like then the least you can't even be bothered to not be hateful mm-hmm. during that. Like, come on. I yeah, you're right. It's like everybody is subject to norms and standards and guidelines. And it's like and a lot of them are inappropriate. I mean thinking of like how many boundaries women can't cross all the time and this man is given millions and millions of dollars to to be hateful i'm curious to see how this plays out but it does seem i'm, I'm glad to have seen this like apology but it's hard because nobody's gonna stop nobody's gonna stop watching netflix they're probably i mean does he have like another does he have an ongoing deal with them i feel like he i feel like this might have been his last deal but don't quote me on that but yeah i think like the final thing or i guess my point is that like First of all, I view, you know, as a comedian, I view comedy as an art. I view comedy as a profession. I view comedy as an industry, which, you know, it's not just, I, you know, I think a lot of it goes bad when people are like, oh yeah, it's just jokes. And it's like, no, this is a business and people work really hard on it. And it's not just whatever, but it's also just like, if you view it as a profession, you know, just like there are lawyers who have to recertify, you can, you know, recertify every yeah. year is like with updated laws. And just like there are doctors who are constantly have to be uh, like knowing what the medicine is, like the, 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 like the clinical trials and what, and what works for their patients and all that stuff. I think that the same personally, yeah. I feel like the same goes for comedy, you know, things are changing. And if you're in this, in, you know, or whatever, like if you're in this totally. industry and you want to be on the cutting edge, you have to know what the conversation is like, and you have to know like how people are talking and all that stuff. And if you don't, that's fine. But like, there are people who are comfortable going into a lawyer who hasn't like recertified in years and whatever, you know what I mean? Like but, Rudy like, Giuliani. Exactly. But <laughs> Like if you're if you're wanting somebody who's like giving you like the most cutting edge shit, you're not going to go to that person. You're going to go to you know what I mean? So like that's kind of how I feel of like, 
But I think that these guys were at the cutting edge for so long. And then they've got, like, Jerry Seinfeld's another example. Yeah. He has said straight out, like, no, I'm not going to catch up to the times. Exactly. And that's fine. Stay they right get here. out of the way. But I mm-hmm. feel like they won't catch up to the, with the times. They also, they won't catch up to the times. They won't do the research. They won't have the dialogues. They won't do anything. But they also don't they're also mad at everyone who is and then also saying that if you do catch up with the times you're an idiot and it's just like dude what Mm -hmm. are you doing yeah i know it's crazy men must be nice anyway that (laughs) is our show for today Thank you, Millie and Mason. Yeah, Mason. <laughs> Thank you, Amanda Duberman. <laughs> Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. And I'm Millie Tavares. Thank you. And this is the Better Sub Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. The Betcha Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.